much love. There are no songs about nannies. It's episode seven, season four. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Julie. Hello, Renee. We are doing nannies this week. Our theme is nannies. And of course, where does the mind go? Where does the mind go, Renee? Flushing queens, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even hear the word nanny without thinking about Fran Drescher. It's funny to me because there's like Nanny McPhee and Mary Poppins and like all of these famous nannies, but they ain't shit if they're not Fran Drescher. Am I alone in this? No, you know what? I'm as like a big fan of like spooky novels. I will, I will uh, tip my hat to the spooky governesses and haunted houses everywhere. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, like all of them coming to these haunted houses, getting macked on by, you know, the master of the house who ain't shit. Mm -hmm. And then she has to fucking keep kids alive when there's, you know, murderous ghosts about. Like, I tip my hat that is to those women. Excellent yeah. point. Respect. <clears throat> well, I loved The Nanny. It is now streaming in Canada on Prime, if folks don't know that. So get on it. Uh, and I just want to give you some Fran Drescher facts because I don't think this woman gets the credit that she deserves. And I think people can't yeah. see past her, like, iconic, I would argue, but, like, very shrill voice. <laughs> and the fact that her character was, like, kind of a ditz. Now, the nanny was iconic because she is an icon, but... One of the things that's gr that I didn't appreciate when the show came out, because it came out in the 90s when I was quite young, is her outfits were often taken right from the runway. So that's like the cool thing to look at the nanny now in retrospect is like the mm -hmm. 90s was the height of supermodels, was the height of like supermodels as fashion, as like celebrities and fashion designers as celebrities. It was like, you know, the Versace's and all this stuff. So she often pulled like they pulled looks directly from the runway which is super cool so there's this awesome instagram account that i recommend folks check out um which is like looking at all of these different outfits from different uh, nanny episodes and then matching them with the look on the runway so if you love fashion that's a reason to revisit the nanny but i want to tell you about fran drescher are you ready renee because like i'm gonna take you on a fucking journey this woman has lived a life i think i am ready <sighs> So first of all, how old do you think she is now? Uh, late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, she's 64 years young. 64 wow. years young. And her first, like her screen debut was in Saturday Night Fever, which I did not know. That's how she got really? her start. Yeah, she had like a little small role in Saturday Night Fever. And then a very, very awful thing happened so i'm gonna warn people um i promise you her life ends well she's still kicking she's still thriving but in 1985 so the year i was born she at this point had been working as an actor was not um you know had not yet made the nanny so she wasn't super super well known but she's also in like this is spinal tap like she's in stuff yes. but um so in 1985 at this point she was married so she married her high school sweetheart which Aww. I fucking love. They got married at 21 years old. Um, and in 1985, she was home with her husband and one of her friends was over. And in the middle of the night, two armed robbers broke into her house. Um, and one robber just like ransacked the place and robbed them. The other one raped her and her friend and made the husband watch. Yikes. Which is fucking awful. They, um, she it took her years to talk about it. Even like she was famous for a while before she brought it up, um, and never got into too much detail because <clears throat> it was obviously horrific. And she was very vocal about, um, yeah, like survivors and survivors of sexual assault and what it does to you and the psychological trauma of that and how it's not taken seriously. Um, mm -hmm. her attacker was apprehended turns out he was out on parole um so he's not like at large which is good um so her and her high school sweetheart divorced in 1999 and are you ready for this 
Ready. She then became a very vocal LGBTQ plus ally. Why? Because her husband came out as a gay man, which oh. I fucking love because it explains a lot about how he also co-created the nanny. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> of course a gay man came up with this. <laughs> And the best part is they are still BFFs to this day. Like to this day, they are still BFFs and they've been divorced since 1999. And they are like, she still says like, this is my soulmate. He's my person. And they're high school sweethearts. Like who, what a beautiful fucking love story. Um, then, (laughs) then in 2014, she met and then had a beachside spiritual ceremony which turns out was not legally binding uh marriage to shiva ayuandurai who is an indian american engineer and entrepreneur and cuckoo bananas anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist no (laughs) so that only lasted two years thankfully thankfully then um and i i don't know if he was cuckoo bananas at that time but i can see her not taking any of that shit because in the year 2000 so you know she just got divorced in 1999 heartbroken you know understanding it's for the right reasons but still really sad you know then she spent two years so from 1998 to 2000 really fucking sick and no one would take it seriously and then Mm. in 2000 she was diagnosed with uh, uterine cancer had to get like an emergency hysterectomy it was like super super touch and go but then they got it all in one shot and she was good and because friend Drescher is a motherfucking survivor in 2007 she created a nonprofit titled after the incredible title she gave her memoir do you know her memoir's title i do not cancer schmancer <laughs> oh my god so in two th- she would she fucking would so in 2007 she created the Cancer Schmancer movement. <laughs> um, and the sole purpose of this nonprofit, like just what a fucking icon. The sole purpose of this of this nonprofit is to raise awareness and do research for early detection of women's cancers because most cancers can be addressed in stage one, but because women's concerns are not taken into consideration and women are routinely gaslit by the medical community, it's why women's cancer rates are so high um, or like can be so you know deadly is because shit's not caught early. So she created an entire nonprofit to challenge the misogyny in the medical system because Fran Drescher is a goddamn doer. Then I'm like, okay, well, she's already lived 500 oh, lifetimes. There's more. there's more. And this is super recent. This is September of 2021. So if you go to Fran Drescher's Wikipedia page, it says she's an author, she's an actress, she's a comedian, she's a producer, and she's a labor activist. And I was like, tell me more. Well, in September of 2021, so fresh to death, she was elected president of the SAG-ACTRA union. Really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So she's like organizing for actors um and like for folks who aren't super familiar like the sag awards just happened like a few weeks ago right like this is it's a huge huge union representing screen actors um and yeah and she's now the president of that union and like doing labor organizing for actors and i love that so much and that's friend drescher yeah people just know her as like the woman with the shrill voice on the nanny but like brilliant businesswoman a fucking survivor both of sexual assault and of cancer and of like predatory men <clears throat> fucking anti-vaxxer cuckoo bananas person but yeah she's still out there she's still out there just straight up thriving oh my god and it's like you know with a voice like that it's not like you'll go unheard i think <laughs> which is really important especially in an era post me too um yeah you just hear just hear her and you're like oh yeah, in trouble. it's the same thing with Michelle Wolf, right? I don't know. I don't. Know. You know Michelle Wolf, the comedian. She's like, she has the shrillest voice you've ever heard in your entire life. She was a correspondent on The Daily Show. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. she like roasted incredibly at the yeah. Um, yeah. My favorite thing about Michelle Wolf 
well one she i mean she has to make fun of her own voice she has to but also is that she is routinely mistaken for black because she has like super curly hair and like looks really dark but it's actually just because she has an incredible amount of freckles anyway so there's like so many funny clips on the daily show where like trevor noah is like making fun of the fact that they look like they could be related but in fact they're not at all anyways it's a very funny thing but (laughs) michelle wolf again a woman whose like voice is very shrill but yet like actually has really important things to say well that's fran drescher so Oh, I love that. You know what? This is just a friend Drescher appreciation episode, basically. Absolutely. Is what you're me. I want her yeah. to know how much I love and respect her. And also because the way in which we talk about nannies in pop culture is very fascinating. Because you either have in your head a like Nanny McPhee kind of a situation where they're like ugly and old, right? Or even like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire was a nanny. <laughs> Nanny McPhee got prettier the better the kids were. True. I just want that. Like, that's a message for my children. It's like, if you want me to look nicer and not be embarrassed of me when we go out, just be good. I I like that message. I'm here for it. I absolutely endorse that as well on your behalf, for sure. So there's either that or there's all of the celebrity stories about men fucking their nannies. And Renee, I have a list. Okay. We got. Do we have enough time? Oh, oh my god! <laughs> so we got Ben Affleck cheated on Jennifer Gardner with his nanny. How dare he? Then we had the. F- I didn't actually know the Ben Affleck one. The one that was the most famous was Jude Law. So Jude Law very famously fucked his nanny when he was engaged to Sienna Miller, and she had no idea. Um, another famous one is Gavin Rosdale cheated on Gwen Stefani with their nanny. I didn't know it was the name. You don't. Either. You didn't know that. Yeah. Nope. Then, the sort of one of the most famous ones of all was Arnold Schwarzenegger, who made a one. baby with his nanny, mm-hmm. and then tried to deny it, and the kid looks exactly like him. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger's love child, but them fucking no. Austrian genes are strong. <laughs> Like, this kid looks like a fucking carbon copy of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Maria Shriver's like, I ain't no dum-dum. Like, I can see. I'm a Kennedy bitch. Okay. So then, then there was some complexity in some cases where, there's two in particular, where it's quite, not questionable, but it, it very much opens up the discussion because both Ethan Hawke and Robin Williams married their nannies shortly after divorcing their spouses. So then it makes you think, you know, was Ethan Hawke fucking the nanny while he was married to Uma? Was he thinking about it, but he didn't act on it till he left? Same thing with Robin Williams, but both Robin Williams married his nanny, (laughs) which again, for the person who played Mrs. Doubtfire, very, uh, very fucking (laughs) meta. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, um, which brings me to my conclusion, which is, I was very struck by the cover of my book, like the subtitle, or I guess it's kind of the subtitle, but said, single father. And I thought, that's a weird detail. Then I went down a rabbit hole. And we've talked about this a few times on the show. In our work, Renee and I, we do social justice work, women's rights work, we work with victims of violence. When we think about a trigger warning, we think of what? Sexual assault? Like, yeah, sexual assault or, you know, suicide or... Yeah. You know, now this episode is going to need a trigger warning. Oh, I know. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, friend gesture. But, um, <sighs> but that's typically what we would think of. It's like, yeah, like suicide, child loss, maybe self-harm, sometimes like the Holocaust, like stuff that you know is like... Yeah. Well, in the world of romance, what we've discovered is people want trigger warnings on very unique things, which includes if there's infidelity. Infidelity is a huge trigger in the romance world, which I find infinitely fascinating. And so that's why this book and other books like it have single father in the title somewhere to hint, to like let the woman know, don't worry, he didn't fuck his nanny behind his wife's back the wife was dead 
that's why he was able thank to thank god right is that the god she's net? out of this ass this mortal plane god. isn't that wild i think it's i think it's so fascinating that that's because i was like why does it say why does it just say single father and then when i went down like goodreads and stuff countless books about nannies especially like traditional harlequin romance are very explicit about whether or not it's a single father because mm. they're like if you're triggered by the notion of someone fucking their name i whew, whew, i find it fascinating so do you want to know how this book came into my life renee yeah tell me everything tell me <laughs> well i'm sure you have this experience as well where when people find out that you do a podcast where you read obscure romance and erotica they then seek out these books when they find them at garage sales, uh, in their mom's <laughs> basement, at their grandma's retirement home, at a cottage. So a friend found this book it, at her local uh, little free library. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Love those. And she's like, uh, this book looks unhinged. I'm sure Julie would enjoy it. <laughs> She was wrong. Okay, so <laughs> the name of the book is Nanny Makes Three. There are multiple romances called this. I had to dig deep to find the actual Goodreads <laughs> reference. Uh, by Joan Kilby. And the actual tagline is, Sometimes big things come in small packages. Which, like... I hope it means his dick. <laughs> exactly! I just went there. I didn't think about the kid. I just thought about some dick. Um, and then, yes, it is a Harlequin super romance. Now, fun little fact, Joan Kilby, who wrote this book, is originally from Vancouver wow. and now lives in Australia with her husband and their three kids. This book feels like it could have been written in 1984, but it actually came out in 2007. And I had to read this Harlequin super romance. And there's a picture of a pig on the cover. There's also the family, but a pig. And I'll tell you, just just put a pin in the old pig. So, <laughs> this fucking book. Well, first of all, I was... I thought I was going to enjoy it. Because opening scene has Melissa Cummings driving... Hey. I know, hey -o, Driving on a back road in Australia in her apple green Volkswagen Bug. Now, anyone who knows me at all knows I drive a 1974 Super Beetle... I have been obsessed with Beatles my whole life. And the apple green early 2000s, that was my dream. That's like the car I wanted more than anything. Still to this day would take that car. And I was like, oh my God, Melissa, I'm, I'm jiving with you. I'm feeling this. No, it just fucking goes downhill real quick. So <laughs> she's on this back road in Australia and she whips around a corner and then has to swerve and almost ditches her car because a child runs across the street. And she's like, uh, what the fuck is a kid doing all the way out here? So she pulls over, chases after the kid who's like running away from her and finds a woman and a little girl covered in bruises and scrapes and mud. But like their clothes are really nice. So she's confused by what she's seeing. And then the woman is like very articulate and like, but clearly very nervous. And she's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And she's like, no, it's okay. Like, are you guys okay? Like you're in the fucking woods. Like what's happening? And she's like, no, no, we're fine. And she's like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, your kid's, like, got a huge gash on his leg. And she's like, oh, fuck, that does look really bad. She's like, I have a first aid kit in my car. And then I can drive you to the hospital. And she's like, no, 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 do not drive us to the hospital. Do not drive us to the hospital. So she's like, what the fuck? She's like, I'm a nurse. If you can give me your first aid kit, I can patch it up and we'll be good to go. And she's like, okay, I can't just leave you here. She's like, no, no, no. We, like, took a bus into town. And she's like, there's no way. Like, what the fuck? Let me just drive you. And then finally she's like, okay, fine, okay. So she's like, Melissa's like, what the fuck is going on? And then she drives and she's like, okay, just pull over here. And it's a farm. And then she's like, okay, I can just drive. And she's like, no, no, no. We'll just, well, you can just drop us off here and we'll walk. And then they get out of the car and they just book it towards this barn. And she's like, what the fuck? Why are you in a barn? Like, Jesus, is she Mary? I don't know. Um, she goes and she's like, what the fuck are you doing in here? Like, why are you in a barn? There's no way you live here. And she's like, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Just like, let us be. Just let us be. Like, no, you didn't see us. You didn't hear from us. And she's like, what the fuck? And then she is like kind of standing there bewildered and walking back to her car. And all of a sudden this big strapping farmer like comes up to her and is like, what the fuck are you doing on my property? What are you doing here? Are you here for the job ad? And she's like, uh, no, um, I was here to buy eggs from the next door neighbor, but she wasn't there. So I, and he's like, oh yeah, she's on vacation. 
I can sell you some eggs. And she's like, okay. And he starts like, she's like, what job at? And he's like, oh, I'm looking for a nanny. Are you looking for a job? And she's like, oh, no, no, I have a job. And she's like, what do you do? And he is a farmer of Wessex saddlebacks. What are those? A type of pig. Hence the pig on the cover. So she gets out of there and is like, okay, what the fuck just happened? So she goes back home. Well, home currently is with her parents because Melissa recently broke up with her boyfriend. Um, and her boyfriend, do you want to know what her boyfriend did for a living? Tell me. (laughs) I don't know if the author was just trying to pull in a Canadian element because she's like, her boyfriend was a Cirque du Soleil acrobat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And... That she's like, I just couldn't jump through hoops for him anymore. That's how fucking hokey the dialogue is in this fucking book. So she broke <laughs> up with him and has to live with her parents until she could find her own place. And she just got this shitty telemarketing job. But she's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. I know I'm meant for something big in this world, but I don't know what it is. And I just, I don't know what to do. And she's eating dinner with her family and the news is on. And the news says that a woman and her two kids are missing. And their husband is a prominent judge and he gets on TV and he starts pleading for their return, begging them to come home. And her family's like, oh, so horrible. This is happening. And Melissa's kind of like, maybe they ran away. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe they, and the family was like, but he's a judge. He's an upstanding Mm -hmm. member of society. Why are you defending him? And she's like, why are you defending? Or like, why are you coming after him? And she's like, why are you coming after these women? And like, maybe there's a reason. So then she realizes, oh, fuck. I gotta, I gotta do something about these people. They're in danger. So she takes some leftover food from supper, tells her family, makes up some excuse, goes back to the barn, gives them the food and says like, look, I'm not going to tell anyone that you're here, but like, you can't stay here forever. Like you'll get busted. Like, she's like, I know. My friend is the farmer next door who sells the eggs, who's currently away on vacation. She told me she knew the situation was volatile. She knew I didn't want to press charges because then my husband can't be made a Supreme Court judge if charges are against him. So she always told me when you feel safe to leave, you can just come over. And I did. And she wasn't home. So I'm just going to hide out here until she gets home. And Melissa's like, okay. And then decides... Well, I guess I should be this man's nanny and then I can take <sighs> care of these people in this barn. Yikes. And that is the premise of this book. So, of course, the rest of it, it all sort of unfolds the way you think it's going to. The little girl falls in love with her. It's a whole Mary Poppins type situation. She first sees the farmer as like too old and gruff for her, but then she starts to get feelings for him. And uh, yeah, they fall for each other. They do a lot of like flirty rom-com frolicking with pigs and shit there's like so much with the goddamn pigs <laughs> so much um but she's keeping the secret of this family that she's hiding out in the barn and long story that i won't get into but anyways he finds out about the family he's furious total misogynist bullshit about turns out he's friends with the judge oh no. so he calls his friend and says i got your wife and kids <gasps> Fuck that guy. Right? Burn him to the fucking ground. Keep the pigs. Lose the man. Um, and sure enough, the judge comes over. He's like, doesn't even try to pretend he's not pissed. Tries to attack them. Attacks. Oh Mel- Melissa puts him in her little beetle. Tries to drive away. Then he attacks the vehicle. And that's when the farmer like recognizes, oh, maybe these women were telling the truth. Oh my god. Ugh. So then... That gets dealt with. The judge agrees to give her full custody that he'll never talk to her ever again. Just don't press charges so my career isn't ruined. Um, And then Melissa's so inspired by this woman's journey that she decides that her big mission in life is going to be a nurse just like her. So she applies to medical school and she gets accepted and she's going to be a nurse. And then her and the farmer live happily ever after with their fucking pigs. Oh, little did she know the pandemic was on its way. (laughs) yikes so yeah now melissa has burnout and ptsd from covid19 patients um yeah so like unsurprisingly did not enjoy this book the dialogue was so unbelievably hokey it also felt like there was like a tinge of like 
christianity in it like i felt like there was a little bit of attempts at like jesus-y stuff but I, like it wasn't there but i felt like i wouldn't be surprised if she also wrote jesus-y things um yeah just like shitty like you could call a shelter why are you letting her live in a barn you know what i mean like just so many things that didn't make sense and like yeah all the people were like she's lying and like i guess the author was trying to present it as like see they were wrong women weren't lying but it wasn't really pushed back enough on like they weren't the men and the family members that didn't believe her weren't really framed as the assholes that they really are. There was technically a sex scene, uh, pretty chaste, not very detailed, but there was a sex scene. So I will give it two out of five, uh, dare I say pigs in a blanket. Um, <laughs> and in terms of the sex toy slash sex accessory that I would put with this book, um i'm gonna have to say a pig play snout i don't i don't fuck with that i it's not it's not my <laughs> it's not my speed but people who love to role play as pigs you can get a little pig snout with a little oh. little um oh my gosh hood it's like a little hood and then it has a little pig nose um so that's they were very into the pigs Renee. like i cannot emphasize enough <laughs> one of your like deep dark kindle fucking erotica <laughs> ones it would have been like and yeah. then they all fucked the pig like that's 100 um, percent going. it would have been a pig shifter book julie <laughs> oh my god you're a thousand percent correct that is a thousand they have percent. they have corkscrew penises oh my god do they really yeah. like their tails yeah, yeah i thought that was just ducks no but fun fact about ducks female ducks have evolved so that their pussies are, or I don't know, their vaginas, their duck vaginas, <laughs> are are also corkscrewed, but the opposite way. What? Yeah, so they can't get raped by boy ducks. They get to be choosy. Ooh. Isn't that super cool? Fucking see, Mother Nature. Daisy Duck don't fucking play. Mother Nature is a woman. She knows. Yeah. She knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was my fucking t- i can't even tell you this book was like 300 pages so it also wasn't oh, short. No. oh yeah it was bad and it <gasps> took me like truly the entire week like i couldn't Yikes. read it in more than like little chunks at a time because it was so cringe it was so Ugh. cringe so i'm very glad it's over and uh now i'm dying to know what the hell did you read <laughs> <laughs> well um, I just want to go back to nanny facts because speaking of Austria. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was in Austria forever. Famous nanny, um, Fraulein Maria from um, Sound of Music, played by Julie Andrews, um, also played another nanny called Mary Poppins. And of course, I looked for, okay, I looked for nanny fanfic, but I also looked for Mary Poppins fanfic. Um and in doing so, I actually found this really fun fan theory about Mary Poppins that I just wanted to share because I thought it was so much fun. Oh, please so, do. Yeah. So have you watched Mary Poppins Returns? Is that the new one? It's Mary Poppins 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> is that the one with Emily Blunt? It is. Oh, yeah. So I saw it in the theater. Her, Lin-Manuel Miranda, big fan. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um... So there is a fan theory that suggests that Mary Poppins and Pennywise the Clown are the same species. Oh my! And you know, I have <laughs> I have shipped Pennywise in other episodes of the show. Um, here here are the facts. Are you ready? Oh, I'm. Okay. I was born ready. So, fact number one. Each returns every 20-something years. Pennywise every 27 and Mary Poppins every 25. Second fact, they return to, quote, regenerate energy from a new group of children. Number three, but they also have a tendency to return to the kids, now adults, from the last time that they visited. And then they both lure a child named Georgie away from their siblings. (laughs) With... A paper toy in Mary Poppins Returns. It's a kite. In it, it's a little boat, right? Mm-hmm. They both have the power to use what's in the children's minds. Oh my god! 
The parents in both stories are oblivious to the fantastical situations their kids are experiencing. Oh my god, setting oh up. In both sto- in both stories, the grown-up versions of the kids forget their experiences. Both Mary Poppins and Pennywise have a penchant for singing and dancing. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't fo- call what Pennywise does singing, but okay. I mean, they he loves it though. He does. And finally, at the end of Mary Poppins Returns, all the characters go floating off with balloons. <gasps> Even I know that connection to Pennywise. <laughs> yeah. So I just... You know, I love Pennywise as a romantic character in many of the fanfics I have read. Um, and I I know I, I really enjoyed Mary Poppins Returns and I will forever love Sound of Music and uh, Mary Poppins OG. So I just wanted to share that with, oh, with the crew today. Because, wow. yeah. And of course, it does exist that there are Mary Poppins ex Pennywise fanfics in case. Of course. Anybody was curious, you know, it exists. Amazing. Um, okay. Thank you for that. I will be so spinning welcome. out on this for quite some time, but thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's a lot of talk that Mary Poppins is a time Lord, like Dr. Who. Oh, um, but I prefer this. I prefer this theory. Yeah. Same. Quite a bit. Okay. Okay. So I, <laughs> I, had a difficult time finding a book because i didn't want i was really really worried there was going to be like abuse of power i think i mentioned that last last episode i was really worried about that so i was like okay well i'm gonna find a male nanny but all the manny stories were all like men it was all men and and i just i didn't want i didn't want to read like a, a gay story this week so i kept digging and i found <laughs> that there are a lot of nanny stories about aliens particularly alien warlords looking for human nannies. But I found one. I found one where the alien nanny was a man. Damn. And it was called The Alien Nanny for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, my fucking God, Renee. Your ability to find (laughs) stuff will never cease to amaze me. Tell me everything about this fucking book. So we've got Gwen. Gwen is a single mother, two sons, Chris, who's 14, and Austin, who's 14 months. Her husband is out of the picture. They're, he, they got divorced and he abandoned his family. But on the day of the divorce, they fucked one last time. And that's how she conceived Austin, her 14-month-old. So Gwen works in sales. She sells furniture. Um, but on this particular day, Austin has a fever. And so she can't bring him to daycare or get a babysitter or anything. And she calls work to explain the situation, but they're like, oh, you've been late for work three times already. So if you're not there on time today, we have to let you go. Which I'm like, that's got to be a labor like law somewhere where you can't do that. But I digress. So she's panicking. She's sobbing. She's freaking out because she can't find a sitter. And she's like, if I don't get one, like I'm fucked. Literally, I have been there. So I was like angry for her. Got to get Fran in there to do some labor union shit and just help her out. But meanwhile... A giant alien man is walking up to her house and he's drawn to the house because of its ornate door because he is deeply moved by pretty things. And as he's walking up to the door, he spies a butterfly. Of course, he doesn't know it's a butterfly because he's not from Earth. So he, he, he sees it and he picks it up and it's sitting in his giant, humongous alien claw hand. And he's just so like moved because it's delicate and lovely and he's like talking to it and he's really, he just loves it. And so he carries it around and he tries to put it down on the wind chime that's on her porch. Um, but when he was doing that, he got tangled up in the wind chime because he's never seen one. And it alerts Gwen inside. So Gwen comes to the door and she's speechless because there's a fucking giant alien man on her porch tangled up in her wind chime. Um, and <laughs> he notices right away that she's been she's been crying. And he's like, human female who has hurt you and i'm like the patriarchy but okay but what gwen sees is a seven foot tall giant red scaly alien man with super long horns he's fucking jacked like ripped to the heavens claws and a long tail with spikes all over it 
but he gets out of the wind chime, um, but notices it's he's broken it. So um, he decides he's going to try and solder it with his fire breath. Um, and so at this point, Gwen's kids have run outside. So the, Chris, the 14 year old has run out and he's like, cool. And then little baby Austin just like, yeah, giant man. Um, and as they're outside, this dog from across the street, who's like a mean, nasty dog starts charging at Chris from across the road. And so this alien like pushes him behind his back and then like roars at it. And the dog runs away like, yay, yay, yay. And uh, she's like, oh my God, this giant man protected my child. And then he turns back and the little butterflies on the ground and he's like, oh no, but it's not moving. And Gwen's like, well, yeah, it's, it's going to die. It's like super late in the season. He's like, what do you mean? It's going to die. I didn't hurt it. I didn't mean to do this. And she's like, no, no, it's just, they don't, they don't like winter. And he's like, okay. But he's like all sad because of this butterfly. So, um, Gwen is qu quickly like, okay, well, you're a giant alien who just roared at a dog. I need you to just, just come in the house. Um, because I don't want my neighbors to see you. And she sits him down, starts asking him all kinds of questions. We find out his name is like Matiku, but there's like a growl in his name. It's, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Matiku. And we find out that he's on earth. He's gathering supplies for this colony of humans that they're fostering on his home world. And I was like, you're fostering a colony of human beings, but all right. Um, and so then he's like, well, why are you upset? Why are you crying? And he, and she explains, well, I'm going to lose my job because I can't get a babysitter. Um, and then he's like, I'll babysit for you. And she's like, mm, okay, but you breathe fire and you have like literal knives coming out of your skin. And so he explains that although he is a spaceship engineer on his home world, some of the males go into the service for the Gryfala, which are princesses or like nobility or something for the purpose of healing, nannying, and always, always for lusty mating. But he leaves out the lusty mating part. So basically he's an engineer, but he's also been trained as a nanny on his planet. It's like a great honor to be a nanny <laughs> to princesses to the children of the princesses. Um, so she decides, well, I don't have any other choice. And she looks to her 14 year old. She's like, do you think you can, this is okay. And she's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, sure. So she's like, okay, well you're on probation, mister. So don't kill my children. I'm going to go to work. And he's like, okay. Um, so all day she's kind of panicked um, at work and stuff. And then she gets home and there's like, plastic all over her kitchen like garbage bags like a kill room like we talked about earlier um but what's happening is he's using his sword tail to chop up tomatoes and he's using his fire breath to cook chicken um but also her house is like super clean and her kids are really happy and they're not screaming and they're, they're helping him cook dinner and it's like hey this might actually work so um she offers him the, the gig. She offers him a full-time nanny gig with her family. And he's like, so thrilled. He's like, it would be my greatest honor. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and so she gives him the basement so he can have like his own space. And she's really happy. Um, and then um, this is happening, I guess. I want to say like September, October. Because the next thing that happens is it's Halloween. And bullies are chasing Christopher home. And... Uh, the alien daddy he's not allowed to go outside because he's seven feet tall and like yeah it's like at, at first when people have seen him they just like joke that he's in like a comic-con costume um but they're like you can't you can't be outside every day in that so um alien daddy gets really uh protective of christopher so he runs out and then basically starts chasing these like bullies down the road till they pee their pants um and i was like I just once just once i wish one of my parents did that for me but hard same we are right um like i do it every day i make kids pee their pants for my kids um but i digress so she's like cool you know you got away with it because it was halloween but like you can't go outside like don't worry he's like i'm trying to protect my my ward blah, blah, blah. um but everything's okay and um the house is clean everything's good the kids are happy and Gwen finally has like time for herself. She gets to like read. She can just relax like, like for the first time ever. And she's really enjoying it. But one day she's reading and, uh, 
uh, the alien guy comes to the door and he's like, hey, there's a leak in the basement. And she's like, oh, no. So she runs downstairs. And sure enough, it's the toilet in the bathroom above that's leaking and dripping down into the basement. And um, but while she's down in the basement, she notices like, oh, he, he you know, he keeps a really, really clean house. Right. Um, like his space is really, really clean. Uh, but then she notices like a box and in the box are some of her pantyhose that she threw out. And she's like, huh, are those my pantyhose? And he's like, yes. And she's like, okay, like, cool. And then she's like, you know what? If he's using my undergarments for his own personal inspiration, that doesn't bother me. And I'm like, bitch, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want no giant alien in your house stealing your underwear, but I guess she's into it. Uh, I mean, would I give him a pass if he was taking care of my kids, cooking dinner and cleaning the house? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Give or take. Yeah. So, um, she goes upstairs, the basement, uh, the, the toilet's leaking and she's like freaking out because she's like, I can't fix this. I don't have handyman skills. But he's like, remember, I'm a spaceship engineer. So he is able to fix the toilet. And she's so happy that whatever the reason, this is, this is the thing that takes everything to the next level because she is just so happy that there is no stress for her. Like everything is off her shoulders. This, this giant alien is doing all the work that she like decides she wants to give him a hug. She's so happy, but he catches her eye in the hug and he just, he takes it as a cue for like, she's into me. And, um, they decide then that they're going to fuck. And they decide they're going to do it in the basement uh, where his space is so like the kids don't come barging in or anything. Um, and they have sex on a pool table. And, uh, you know, that's a thing that happens. Now, we also find out that Matiku is a virgin. Mm. He's never been with a woman of his planet or Earth. And so he is very generous in giving to this woman. Um but then he starts calling her princess and it's the worst. Mm. His pet name for her is princess. And I think that was the worst. I think it's a um, big crime at this point, honestly. It is. It really is. She's a mother of two. Um, and then it's Thanksgiving and um, they literally leave dinner to go fuck. They leave the boys alone at the Thanksgiving table to go and fuck. Or so you think, because they don't actually fuck Julie day 69 uh, and it may be the no. first 69 of the season this may be the first 69 of season four uh with a woman and her seven foot alien i don't know how that would work um but they did it um and uh yeah so the, it yeah then uh afterwards it's like hey christmas and we find out that matiku has been like stealing christmas ornaments because in his culture it's pretty common for like these like servile nanny alien protector men to like collect things of their princesses so that like that remind them of them um and she's like, okay we'll go put it back ha 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 and then matiku has worked out a deal with her son chris um that if he takes his baby brother away to play um, so that Matiku can bang his mom, that he'll make sure that he'll do the same for him one day. And so they bang under the Christmas tree. Epilogue. <laughs> one is pregnant with a litter of alien human hybrids. Oh, They're on a spaceship headed to his home world because she doesn't want to raise her weird alien puppy dragon babies on Earth because it turns out her birth control was not effective against alien sperm. The end. Damn. Now, uh, there were moments where I was just, like, really moved because, like, it, he was a very, like, kind, delicate um, character. He was he was written very, very well. Um, but the second they fucked, the Gwen character, her the way she spoke in the story changed entirely. And I hated it because, oh. and we've, I've seen this a lot in different in different romances where it's like the women will end up getting like really flirty and teasy and be like oh my panties <laughs> it's like i just wanted to tease him a little bit and i i'm a bad feminist because i fucking hate it i fucking hate it i'm like i don't care if you're having a sexual awakening right now you have children in your house like keep it together 
Like, you're not as cute as you probably think you are. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> and I just hate it when I hate romance books that do that, do that. I just hate it. Um, love that she's feeling herself. Love that. Um, but hated reading about it. I hated it. Um, and also, like, she went from being, like, like first person narration in her mind to like breaking the fourth wall and being like, I know, I know it's crazy to like, who are you talking to? Who are you fucking talking to? <laughs> All right. Ferris like, Bueller, stop breaking the fourth wall. Um, yeah. Was it spicy or was it? It was spicy. Okay. Yeah. Cause we all know. It was pretty spicy. We, I mean, we've discussed at length on the show how much I find 69 absolutely repulsive, but it was still it was, spicy. Okay. Yeah. There were three sex scenes. Um, the first one on the pool table was spicy. Um, How was the under the Christmas tree bang out? They don't. There's not a lot. There's not a lot there. Um, Also, he's humongous and has a huge alien dick, but it's okay because his saliva is healing. So he can like pound her till the day, like the cows come home, but then like lick her up and she's like, I feel better. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's a, that's a neat thing. Here's the thing. I really liked, I really liked the alien. Liked him a lot. Gwen could, Gwen could go. I don't, I hated her as a character. And not only that, she just like, he was just like, like his character in the story is like really like lovely when he speaks. And like, obviously like they do that where it's like aliens have like a different cadence to how they speak than the, than the earthlings do. Like I get that. But like her character is like constantly over explaining everything. So like in their first sex scene, instead of them just like getting to it, she's like, I'm going to need a long time to warm up. It's like, just tell me eat your pussy. Yeah. Just, just tell me eat your pussy. But she's like, you know, it's been a really long time and my ex never. I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't, <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. Just get down to business. He just, yeah, let him eat your pussy. And so it was like, this character just kept talking for no reason. And if she wasn't talking outright to somebody, she was talking in her head to the readers. And I just could not stand it. I could not stand it. So. Big, big, big round of applause for Matiku the alien. Yeah. You're doing the Lord's work, sir. Gwen, just take a fucking walk. I hope this human (laughs) colony, I hope it doesn't have air conditioning or something. And she just can just chill the fuck out a little bit because she's a lot. She is a lot. And uh, even I'm a woman, I'm a single woman with three children that I am raising. And... I don't have another adult in my house with me, but the last thing I would want ever is one, somebody who thinks it would be appropriate to leave the middle of a Thanksgiving dinner to go bang in the other room. I don't think so. And secondly, it's like she wore like this skirt to Christmas that was like themed. It was like a Santa skirt or whatever. And then she wore elf print panties and then she like actively was like, I'm going to go pick up a present from back here behind the tree, wiggle her ass. And I was like, you have a, there's babies there. There's babies. He's going to still, this alien man's still going to think you're hot. He's going to still think you're hot if you're there in sweatpants. Yeah. Like, in pick, pick your lane. Appropriate. So what it would you, awful. now, now I gotta know, like, what's, what's the sex toy <sighs> with this one? Well, if if she really just liked getting banged by this man, um, this alien man, I'm just going to go back to the old staple of alien dildos on Etsy. They, there's a, a lot of them. Um, yeah. I was going to go with like one of the ones that lay eggs because they're a personal favorite of mine to <laughs> use on the show, but um, there were no eggs in this. So um, just a basic alien dong. I like it. Etsy. They're very affordable listeners. You can you can go get one for yourself. Um, what? Yeah. So I'm not reading anything spicy today, but yeah. um, what are you reading then? This one, this one actually goes out to you, Julie. Oh my! I'm, I'm really sorry that you're about to relate to this character. Oh no! Okay, I'm yeah. ready. Okay, I'm gonna read her the way that I heard her in my head, which is the worst. Okay, <clears throat> chapter ten, Gwen. Thanks to Matiku playing hard with Austin, a game called Hunt and Seek that sounds and looks a little terrifying when you consider that one participant could crush, maim, and eat the toddler, but it was Austin's favorite game, and he laughs and laughs. 
and then he sleeps like a rock afterwards. It's glorious, and I'm taking some me time. It's a Sunday. I haven't had a, to pick up a shift at work, and I'm reading books. I love books. I have missed books. I've devoured three in almost as many hours, and they are chock full of crazy type reads. I've stumbled into Amish romances. Hey, don't judge. They're like reading tragedy bingo. Young loves separated by circumstance and our tragic event, miscarriages, rapes, shunnings, fatal buggy accidents, taking out the potential hero love interest followed by a shocking revelation. Gasp, our heroine is secretly adopted. Floods, fires, catastrophes, cancer, all packed into 86 e-reader pages. By the time I'm done, I've cried until I feel hollow and all my life events seem like freaking Candyland by comparison. I'm 12 short, but shock-filled chapters into a book three when a knock raps on my bedroom door. I'm so startled, I drop my e-reader on my face. A knock? If one of my kids needs me, they always just walk in. I'm a mom. I don't get privacy. Yes, I ask the door, rolling over and rubbing my now tender nose as I toss my e-reader onto my pillow and sit up. Through the door, Matiku says, liquid is dripping into the basement. I believe it is originating from the male's bathroom or bathing and cleaning unit. I'm up and following him to the basement before he can say another word. When we get there, I do indeed see a dripping pipe. I'm dismayed by this. I was hopeful that it was something else, like unicorn tears or echoes tides of time seawater spilling down in a harmless virtual reality sort of way. Something, anything, but a real leak. Then it takes me a moment to sense the tension in Matiku. I'm about to ask him what's wrong, but I think I know. I'm in his part of the house now. I'm with him in his private space. I'm essentially standing in his bedroom, and it's so him. Neat and orderly, unassuming, quiet. But tucked under an old mismatched kitchen chair that's been stored down here, my eyes catch on a crate that has an odd assortment of items. One item in particular sure has my attention. Are those my pantyhose? Matiku's ears fall behind his shoulders. Yes. Thank you so much. That was Holy shit. That was a work of art. I also want you to know that when you, her part where she's describing what you can find in Amish romance, <laughs> all I thought about was Stefan. And like, <laughs> these books have everything. They have rape. <laughs> they have like, just was like, the way you were saying it, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> Whew, well done. Well, now I feel like what I'm, you got for oh, me. God, now I feel like I'm just gonna leave it on a terrible note because that was fantastic. Crikey! Okay, I have to try to pull out an Australian accent, which we know I can't. To start me off, Renee. What's an Australian accent? Do me. Yeah, shrimp on the barbie. Shrimp, okay, yeah. Do my hair, daddy. Okay, so that's 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 literally <laughs> that's literally the first line. So this is where he's basically interviewing her for the job. Okay. Also, okay. I am. A freak whose mind has been rotted by the internet, so I can't hear the word daddy, especially with a capital D, and not go to a dark place. So, his daughter's <laughs> name is Alice Ann. And she got a saying? Alice Ann. And she's a young girl. And uh, Papa's name is Gregory. And Melissa is the soon to be nanny. <clears throat> do my hair, daddy. I don't know why I can't do that. <laughs> his daughter said running back into the room waving a small pink brush Gregory took the brush and started tucking it through her snarled hair he came to a knot and left the brush stuck there tapping Melissa's resume he asked you've held okay, why can't I do an Aussie accent I was in Australia for Christ's sake Melbourne I can't I can't get it why do I just go British all the time just just be you just be you be you visiting Australia tapping Melissa's resume he asked You've held a variety of jobs, but none of them remotely connected to childcare. Plus, there's a big gap in your work history. Were you on holiday for the whole ten months? Come here, honey. Melissa called to Alice Ann. She straightened the girl's skirt, then extricated the brush and gently worked through the tangles strand by strand. She glanced at Gregory, knowing her explanation wasn't going to sound good. I was traveling with Sick to Soleil. <laughs> 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 okay. 
and join the circus? He asked skeptically. <laughs> Were there lion tamers? Alice Ann made claws with her fingers and roared at Melissa. No, no, it's not that kind of circus, she said, laughing. My former boyfriend is a high-wire artist, she replied. Our relationship didn't work out, so I came back. You up and ran off for ten months, Gregory mused. That suggests a certain lack of stability on your part. We're Irish now, it doesn't matter. <laughs> or adventurousness. Melissa finished combing out the tangles. She picked a pair of sparkly purple hair clips from the handful Anna Sand had brought and pinned them on either side of her head. Gregory studied her through narrow eyes, then dropped his gaze to his notes. Finally, he looked up. Why, do you want to be a nanny? Melissa opened her mouth, but no brilliant lies came out. Finally, she settled on the truth, or as close to the truth as she could get without giving it away. I want to do something big. Something big! His eyebrows lifted, as if her answer surprised him. Something big! He replied thoughtfully, and his expression softened. You believe looking after your children is that important? Melissa nodded. She did, actually, although in all honesty, she hadn't imagined herself doing it until about 12 hours ago. Gregory seemed impressed, though, so she just smiled and tried to look like a competent, caring mother substitute. I'll have to think it over and get back to you. He got up, indicating the interview was over, and held out his hand. Thank you for coming by. Thank you. She wasn't expecting the pulse of warmth as her palms clasped, or the jolt when his eyes met hers. I, I'll need that resume back if you don't mind. Gregory scribbled down her phone number on his legal pad and handed her the sheets. Your good copy, is it? Ignoring his comment, Melissa crouched to say goodbye to Alisan and drew the girl into a hug. If I don't see you again, take care. You're just perfect. Don't let anyone turn you into a mouse or anything else that you're not. Alisan nodded, eyes wide. I'll watch out for that mean old witch. I'll turn her into a bat. Melissa rose to her feet and started down the steps of the veranda. I'll look forward to hearing from you. <laughs> that was it. There's no Australian man named Gregory. You go by Greg. <laughs> Greg. Oh, Greg. Oh, Gregory. Yeah, Scottish. Scottish. <laughs> Gregory is a Scottish man. He is definitely not an Australian pig farmer, but he is in this story. Oh, boy. Well, I think wow. we've given the kids a lot to really chew on this week, but usually. This is the part where we would announce what next week's theme is. But mm-hmm. next week is April. And April is what? Oh, yeah. It's my birthday month. Yes, girl. So we've decided for season four, when it's your birthday month, you choose every week's theme. And the other person just has to suck it up. So for the month of April, I am reading whatever Renee tells me to. <laughs> and based on, based on the history of our four seasons, you know it's going to get weird and freaky and dark. And I'm excited. So good. Yes. Yeah. Well, I had a wonderful time this week. I did too. But do you want to know what you're reading next week, Julie? Oh, are you going to tell us? Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Tell me. Tell me, tell me, tell me. What am I reading next week? Uh, centaurs. <gasps> centaurs! Half yes. horse, half man. Or is it half man, half horse? Which All... half is horse? Which half is man? <laughs> All daddy. No, um, I, I mean, <laughs> it would be great to find one where... He's a horse on top and a man on the bottom. <laughs> like a reverse centaur. Like a uh, Bojack horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yes. I yeah. love it. You know, I'm going to try to find the gayest or slash more Amish centaur. I will try. Is it centaur? Why can't I say it properly? It's not centaur. 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 Like like Santa World, the best show on TV. I think it's because of how it's spelled that I always want to say a centaur. But okay, centaur. I mean, next week is. we're doing it. Whew. Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Yes. Even though it's the last week of March, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I didn't get to do anything last April because I was traveling. Remember? So I'm just gonna take an extra week. Do it. Because April first starts next Friday. So. Yeah, so next week we're going to give you uh, an episode with the uh, wee old centaurs. Ye old centaurs. I mean, they're going to be fucking 
ribs. <laughs> oh God, you know they're gonna have veiny cocks too. You just they're gonna have horse penises. Huh? <sighs> we were in for a treat. Oof. I got I got some good ones for us. Perfect. I got some good ones. It's gonna be great. But I really want to hear you sing us out. Wrap up this nanny week, girlfriend. <clears throat> Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Fran Drescher. I'm checking in. Hi. Excuse me, Miss Fran Drescher, but I am your biggest fan. Oh, thank you. Oh my God, you really do talk like that. Who would make this up? <laughs>